and there was light, and we can see. Well, Father, we just thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you so much for your word, so much for your scripture. Lord, teach us from it tonight. We're a humble people who want to learn, who want to walk with you, not not just on every whim and every reflex, but we want to walk with you in wisdom and in truth. We want to be full of your grace and full of your mercy. We want to be full of your word. We want to be full of you, not full of the world. So Lord, refine us. Father, we thank you for your word being spoken tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, neat thing about the word, it does, it refines us. You know, it, it says that there's, there's, there's wood, there's hay, there's stubble. What happens to those things in the fire? They get burned up. But what happens to gold? What happens to silver? It, it gets purified. It, it, as it goes through the fire, as it goes through the heat, the dross rises to the top and, and it's, it's skimmed off. I don't know about y'all, but those scriptures used to scare me where it talks about wood, hay, and stubble and all of those things and saying not to build your life on those things because they'll be burned up. But I see our loving Father and how he just constantly uh, allows a refining as we humble ourselves and approach him. And I don't want wood, hay, and stubble in my life. I don't want things that are of dishonor in my life. I want the things that honor God. And I was telling somebody this week, that I want to be a learner the rest of my life. They say that in, in studies that it takes 10,000 hours of doing any given thing to become an expert. Well, I spent way more than that in my previous career. I became an expert. I became incredibly good at what I did. did. I didn't even like it the first 10 years I did it. But then after the next several years, I really began, began to enjoy it. I began to um, just be thankful in it and be content. You know how Paul says to be content in all things, in the much and in the little? Well, something interesting happens when you become content. God opens doors for you to a next. Well, the reason I say this about being a professional or being so excellent how many of you have done something so many times that you can close your eyes and do it in your sleep? Yeah. I mean, I can, I can get in my car, buckle my seatbelt, turn it on without ever even thinking about it. I mean, for me not to have my seatbelt on, I don't, are you laughing because you don't wear a seatbelt? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Anyway, but I, I don't even realize how I ever got it on. Um. In my personal life, in my previous job, I felt like I would go to bed on Sunday night and I'd wake up sometime about Thursday and life had just escaped me. It had just left. Like, where did it go? And over the last several years, I told God, I'm going to take the blinders off I'm going to quit pretending that this is all that there is, and I'm going to lean into you, and I'm going to pursue you. And I felt like the heat got turned up, and it was uncomfortable, and it hurt, and it was, 
It was painful. But then I look back and I see that the dross has been gradually removed. There's still, trust me, there is still plenty in there. There's, but God is patient and he's, he's refining us slowly as we're willing to give it to him. We all have things in our life that, that he sees and he says, daughter, I love you. Let me, let me help you with that. Let's, let's, let's burn up some of that wood, some of that hay, some of that stubble. I've put gold in there. Son, I've put silver in there. Let me show you the beauty of what's in there, but trust me in, in humility. So in my prayer, it has been such a busy week. It's been a busy two weeks. It's been a busy couple of years. Um, I'm going to rewind just a minute before I, before I go forward. Remember how I told you when I was just had it on autopilot, it seemed like I went to bed on Sunday night and I woke up on Sunday and the years were just flying by. I'm going, my gosh, my kids are growing up so fast. When you commit to be a learner, when you commit to try new things, it's like time slows down. When you're allowing yourself to be refined by the holy fire, a day becomes a week instead of a week becoming a day. I've heard my whole life that, son, when you get older, time just moves faster. And it feels that way. It really does, and I experience that. But there's more. There's more than that. There's always more to learn. There's always more to try. And I think that's that sometimes we just let the status quo tell us who we are. Sometimes we, we become powerless instead of powerful. And that's what I want to talk about for a few minutes tonight. We, uh, we live in a world that's powerless, but instinctively knows that there is something more. It's like, don't you just know there's more than just what you see? Don't you know that there's just more? Like, like the prophet and his servant, when they're on the mountain, and, <laughs> and the servant goes, do you not see all these against us? And the prophet prays for his eyes to be open and says, now you get to see all that is for us. It's like when we look at just what we can see, just what we can experience, just our current momentary light affliction, because in, a, in the sense of eternity, it's momentary light affliction. But when we open our eyes to the supernatural, when we open our eyes to the spiritual, we go, wow, all of this is for me? So are we living powerless lives or are we going to choose to be powerful? I think Scripture says pretty clearly that we as the bride of Christ should be powerful. We should lack nothing. We should be well-equipped. I mean, think about it. it. It talks about that. If we if we are really the bride of Christ, then we should be those things. So we are the church. We're believers gathered together. You guys believe. I believe. We're, we're in the same place. We're talking about Scriptures. We are the church. We are the bride. That's what makes 
the church as we, we gather together. It's that simple. So I want to be a powerful bride, a powerful church. A powerless world is an expectation, but a powerless church is an abomination. There's no place for it. Jesus said in the book of Revelation that if we are lukewarm, he would just assume spit us out of his mouth. At least if we were cold, there'd be some hope. But I want to be a church that's on fire. And we have to do that by, by choosing to, to believe what he says. <laughs> you know what? I'd rather live a life on fire and a life of power and be called crazy than live a life of meh, mediocre. Man, God, use me. Let me... Let me help. Let me partner with you today, God. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And let me be a part of it. You don't have to be on a stage to do that. You can, you can go to school and teach the kids. You can raise your, your grandkids that are staying with you. You're bringing heaven to earth, but you've got to know the power that's in the scriptures. You've got to believe what's there. Otherwise, it's just powerless. and. That's not good. In fact, it's, it's pretty scary. In 2 Timothy, this scripture's been on my heart for a couple of weeks. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having an appearance of godliness but denying its power. I believe that church that denies the power of God is an abomination. I don't want to be that. I want to be people who are steadfast in the Scripture, steadfast in what God says, even when what we see doesn't add up to what we know. And you know in your heart. But are you letting your mouth defile what your heart is saying? Are you letting your thoughts run away with it? 2 Timothy 3 says, but understand that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Oh, man. This week, one of, one of my best friend's babies has been in the NICU all week. Had to be resuscitated and brought back to life. And he's doing great. That's fantastic. And yet another one of my really good friend's is burying her son Sunday, uh, this Saturday. So there are troubles in the world. I don't understand all of it, but I, I know where my faith lies, and I know where my power lies, and I know it's in Jesus. It's, it's in the gospel. It's in the good news of Christ. So no matter what comes, steadfast to that. But how many days do we just kind of go, well... We don't pay attention to what we say. We don't pay attention to what we think. Times are short. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unpleasable, 
Man, have you ever met someone unpleasable? Man, have you ever been someone unpleasable? Slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. Is that enough? <laughs> Paul, Paul finally quits writing about it there. It says, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having an appearance of godliness but denying its power. It says, avoid such people. I always look at that. I, I used to look at that and go, well, I, I see all of them that I'm going to avoid. Now I look at it and I go, I want to avoid being that person for sure. First off, I'm going to not be that person. Second off, it, it's, it's going to show me who needs Jesus, who needs him. But those people aren't going to be the ones speaking life into me, right? They're not going to be the ones I need to call and, and say, hey, I'm having a struggle right now. Because they'll drag you down with them. And again, I love it because Paul does this all the time. He does, he does something called contrast. You shouldn't read Romans or, or really any of Paul's writings without getting the whole thing in context. Because he says, don't do this, do that. So if you just take a little bit out, you can take it out of context real quick. But here's where Paul comes back in. So he's talking about all the bad things. And then he says this, you, however have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, my sufferings that happened to me, so forth, so on. And he says, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from who you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, the scriptures. The scriptures are so powerful. The world will call us crazy for taking this, this book and holding it up to some sort of standard that, hey, we believe God. We believe God. Yeah, he wrote that book. <laughs> yeah, we believe that he wrote the book. And he's placed it in our hearts. That's why when you read it, it can jump off the page to you because he's already placed it inside of you. Those sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching and reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's what I was talking about when I say I want to be a learner. In the book of Ephesians, it says this. I can get to it. Ephesians 4. Until it says that he's given the, the, the prophets, the teachers, the pastors, all of this for the equipping of the saints. Until we attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to the mature manhood, to the measure and the stature and the fullness of Christ. 
that's a pretty big task. I don't think enough of us are paying attention to the measure and the fullness and the stature of Christ. Can I give you a secret? This is not for when you get to heaven one day. He's perfecting you now. He's refining you now. Pay attention. It's so easy in our world to be distracted. All of a sudden, Facebook pops up and, man, I, there was 21 things I wanted to know about the 80s my whole life. <laughs> I mean, how easy is it to be distracted? We've got, we've got that on our phones and then we've got the scripture. What are we doing with it? Are we distracted by busyness? Are we allowing him to mature us into mature manhood? So here's where I think powerlessness comes into play, too. The measure and the stature and the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and craftiness, by deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are able to grow up in every way to him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined together, held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We allow fear to dictate our lives. How many things have you not done? How many people have you not spoken to because fear has entered your life? What would you be doing today if you weren't afraid? Is there anything in your life? I think that's a good question to ask yourself. Is there anything in your life that you would be doing today if you were not afraid? If, that, if there's yes to that, there's, there's grace. But if, that, if there's a yes to that, then you're allowing fear to drive your life instead of faith. And we know this in 2 Timothy 1.6, or 1.6.4, this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. What's the gift of God? Our faith. Our faith in Jesus, the gospel, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and, a sound, and self-control. He gives us a spirit of power. You ever thought of that? A powerful bride. So how did we get here? People ask this all the time. What happened? How did we get here? Why did this happen? Have you ever seen a, a mass shooting on the news and you go, why in the world did this happen? Have you ever seen someone you love abused or, or any tragedy in the world, war? Why do these things happen? A lot of people will say, well, there's, there's not really any, any answer. No, I'd say there is an answer. In Romans 1.19, it says this. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made. So, I love nature, I love sunrises. 
That's what it's talking about. How can you deny that there's a God and look at a baby being born? Two most powerful moments in my life are being with my wife when my children are born. And even more beautiful was being with my father-in-law when he went to heaven. One of the most spiritual things I've ever been a part of. And we go through these things and we focus on ourselves so much that we don't see that God is there. He's created these things. He created the seed that started it all. So let's lift our eyes up. Let's pay attention to what he's doing. Let's look at the sunrises because here's what happens. Because it says that everybody knows that there is a God. For although they knew there was a God, they did not honor him or give give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. That's why we have what we have in the world. Because people haven't honored God. They haven't been thankful to him. You know what one of the most beautiful things is? Is a child who's thankful. A little girl that came up while ago and gave me a hug and said, thank you for preaching. (laughs) Come on. We've got a bunch of thankful kids here. and, And my hope is ignited for our future because of that. Maybe they don't even know what they're thankful for. But let's foster the thankfulness. Amen? Let's foster that in our own hearts. Let's be childlike. Because what's the antidote to our hearts being darkened? Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power, the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That's where our power comes from. It's so simple. The more I walk in faith, the more I really understand. I have someone in my life that mentors me, and he says, I only know about five things. There's only a few things to know. But we can dig so deep in those things, so deep in our lives to see what what God has really given us. Amen? A powerless world praise to worry, but a powerful church prays in faith. How many of you have, I know I have, have looked like the world and go, this could happen, and if that happens, this will happen, and it's not good, and and then all of a sudden you, you are overcome with anxiety, and you're overcome with fear instead of power. Either God is good or he isn't. John 10.10 says, For I have come that you may have life and have life abundantly. But the enemy comes that he might still kill and destroy. Can I give you Christian theology 101? God's good, devil's bad. God's good. My own pride is bad. God is bigger than me. I'm his kid and he loves me. How many of you love your kids? Yes. 
He loves you so much more than you could ever love your own children. Well, why are we going through what we're going through? Because there's a million reasons. Have we honored God as God? Have we stood on his word and some of us are standing and have stood and are still standing and we're still going, okay, God, I'm still standing. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why I still have this, this issue or this thorn or this thing, but I'm standing. There are crowns in heaven waiting for you guys that are standing. And we as a body are standing with you. We are praying for you. Let's stand. Let's, let's, let's stand for him. Let's believe. So James 1.6 says this. But let him ask without let him ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For such a person must not suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord, for he is double minded and unstable in all of his ways. This isn't just talking about someone who's who's struggling with doubt. I've had I've struggled with doubt. We all do. But where are we going to put our foundation? <laughs> and simply in Christ, and that our Father's good, and that He's going to help us, and He's going to bring beauty from everything that we've misunderstood. He's going to bring, bring beauty from every sacrifice. He's going to bring beauty from every hurt and every pain. I'm not saying that He caused it, but when we are thankful, when we rejoice in all things, we're fulfilling the will of God. That's how we can worship in the storm. That's how we can have steadfastness because our hope isn't in our surroundings. Our hope is in his truth. A powerless world is distracted by every new thing that comes up, good or bad. It's addicted to what's next. How many of you get a, a little jolt of adrenaline when, when your pocket buzzes? Oh, who needs me now? That feels good. <laughs> I mean, do you, do, you, do you get that little jolt? They have all kinds of uh, psychological terms for it now. I call it the ghost buzz. I'll, I'll leave my phone on the desk and it's like, oh, I, I think I just felt something. And it's not even there. You, that has, does that happen to y'all? But it's so easy to be distracted. Just think of what our kids are coming up in. Let's, let's pray for them. Let's speak life over them. You know what? There is a lot of power in these little devices. We can, in seconds, have hundreds, if not thousands, of people praying for us. In seconds at our fingertips, we have all the scriptures in all the translations, just boom, right there. But we have to turn off the distractions. Because if we don't, we end up 
like the parable in Matthew 13. You know, it's the, the sower, it's the good ground, then there's the rocky ground. And I think a powerless people, a powerless church is the rocky ground and the ground with the weeds in it. Because it, it has a root, it, like we're sitting here, we're reading the Bible, and we're going, that is so good. And then, squirrel. <laughs> it, it happened to me at least 27 times today. I'm not even joking. So I know it happens to all of us. But God is good. He's faithful. And I just keep going back to it. I keep going, okay, God, you said that, that self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, and I have your Spirit. So I have self-control. I can be focused for five minutes and read through this. And you're going to speak to me in it. And I don't have to be fearful because your word says that you've given me a spirit of power and love, not a spirit of fear. A powerful church remembers its first love and is committed to maturing. We read the scripture in Ephesians already, but if a powerful church is supposed to remember its first love, I, I get that from Revelation. If you've been here long, you've heard me read this before. But Revelation 2, it says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus, otherwise the pastor. I like that. I'm just going to bask in that for a minute. Mervyn, you like that too, don't you? (laughs) That he called those of us who were pastors the angels of the church. Anyway, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hands, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, Jesus. That's Jesus. I know the works. I know your works and your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil. That's right. I can't bear with those but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you're enduring patiently. Yeah, God, I'm patient. I'm so patient. I'm enduring with these honorary people. And bearing up for my my namesake and that you have not grown weary. That's right, I'm not weary, God. But I have this against you. Whoa, whoa, hold up. What? I thought I was doing real good. But I have this against you, Jesus says, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. And we've become so tied up in the doing, so tied up in the good works, so tied up in the, the program, so tied up in, in just living life that we forget about the simple, basic truth of who God is that he's our father, that he, he's made every sacrifice for us. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet, so what he's talking about here is a powerless church. You know why he removes the lampstand? Why he removes that influence? 
is because if we become there, if we, if we become the powerless church, we look just like the world and there's no life to draw the world unto himself. That's our job as the bride. That's our job is to be a powerful example, a, a, a uh, not fake, but real, really walking with him. Yeah, we have moles, hairy, what would what, 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 what the pastor say the other day? We have hairy moles that are just ugly, but you know what? If we have enough transparency with our, our, pe- with our people around us, maybe we can knock those things off. Maybe we can become the beautiful bride, the powerful bride. It scares me to think about getting wrapped up in the doing and forgetting my first love. It scares me. So who's our first love? Our first love is Jesus. That love we first have when we first believed. And we have to stir that up. And it's, it takes a community around us. I'm going to talk this Sunday about how we live in community, the importance of hospitality, the importance of all of those things. But Right now, I want to talk about, to this core group, how we become a powerful church. And that's from our first love. A humble saint is a vessel of power. And a humble church is the powerful bride. During worship, I was just thinking... What does God call a bride? What's a good bride to God? We've all read Proverbs 31. An excellent wife, who can find? She's far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts her. He will have no lack of gain. (laughs) That's what stirs something in me. I want the Father to have no lack of gain because we're a church that's full of gold and silver and precious stones, full of wisdom that he's provided. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She's busy. She seeks wool and flax and works with her willing hands. She's like the ships of a merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it's yet night and provides food for her household, portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it with the fruit of her hands and plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. I know a lot of you ladies have read Proverbs 31 and thought, how can I ever live up to that? It's as we mature, as we we lean into Jesus, he makes us that, but we have to trust him fully. Even when what's in front of us doesn't look like it adds up. Amen? Man, I've got a lot of scriptures. I I told the worship team before before we started that I think I had a series worth of uh, (laughs) scriptures here. But one thing I want to do tonight is I want to practice praying the scriptures. 
my prayer life was pretty anemic. You ever seen someone anemic? They're weak, they're, they're pale. My prayer life was very anemic because it was so self-focused. And then I began to pray the scriptures. Something happened. It's like they started getting in me. They started like roots in me, attaching themselves to me. So when you don't know what to believe, you plant the scriptures in your heart. You plant them in your mind. And then all of a sudden, you're not so easily swayed by what you see. So this week, we've had some attacks. The the enemy's real, right? I mean, he attacks us. We've had some attacks. I, I don't give him a lot of glory because I know he's been overcome. Do you know what a pre-soaked log is? <laughs> you ever seen one of those logs that, that's pre-soaked? It's got all the, the fire starter already in it. You know what happens when you hit it? It, it flares up. And the more you hit it, the, the more it flares up. When we pray the scriptures, when we read the scriptures, when you come on a Wednesday night and a Sunday morning and you hear the scriptures, you're being pre-soaked. So when we get poked, when we get punched, we're going back to the scripture and we're going to flare up. So tonight we're going we're to use an opportunity. Urias, um, Pastor Jacob's son, he's, he's improving dr- dramatically if you've been following on Facebook. is. His, uh, his brain scans are coming back normal. This, this baby was without oxygen for 20 minutes, was resuscitated. We're still praying. We're still praying steadfastly because there's a lot of new things that are, are happening. But how do we pray when these things come? So we're going to take this as an opportunity to flare up and go, this is how we pray. So as the worship team comes, we're going to begin to pray, and I just ask that you follow along on, on the screen. If you want these notes, I can get them to you. Just ask. You can fill out a Connect card, drop it in the box if you don't get to talk to me after service, and I will email these to you if you give me a way to get them to you. And you can change the name Urias to your name, to your child's name, to whatever you need to do. But let's pray these things together. Let me get back to them real quick. Heavenly Father, pray this with me. When we say Heavenly Father, we're addressing God as spirit, as truth, the creator, the master of the universe. Your word says that our children are an inheritance and a blessing from you. Psalm 127.3 and that Urias is fearfully and wonderfully made Psalm 139.14 intricately woven together in his mother's womb and that you called him according to your purpose before he was born your kingdom and for your glory we proclaim that the assignment to kill him and destroy him and steal his future is canceled and cannot succeed for no weapon formed against him will prosper 
and every tongue or prognosis that rises against his health and full recovery shall be proven wrong. Amen. We speak against the mountains that are facing him, brain damage, seizures, organ damage, and command them to be uprooted from him and cast into the sea. We do not doubt the power of your word in the name of Jesus. For your promises is that we, where two of us are agreed on earth on anything we ask, it will be done for us by you, Father. So we agree together, touching the mind and body of Urias, declaring that he is healed by the stripes of Jesus, and that the healing manifests in his brain and his body, that he shall live a full and healthy life and recount the wonderful deeds of the Lord. We speak to his mind and body the word of the Lord that sent to heal him and to deliver him from all destruction. We command his brain to function fully in God's design, exceeding, exceedingly abundantly above the doctor's expectations. We believe that Urias' healing will bring glory to the name of Jesus for the name of Jesus is above brain damage, above seizures and organ damage. This is our confidence that we have in Christ Jesus that if we ask anything according to your will, you will hear us. And if we know your, you hear us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked you. Urias making a full and healthy recovery is your will. We are confident that we shall see him whole in Jesus' name. We pray for divine wisdom and inspiration for the doctors and nurses who are caring for Urias beyond their natural understanding or abilities. We thank you for your peace given to our family, peace that comforts us and dispels fear from us. We pray together as one for your kingdom to come and your will be done perfectly and completely in this trial as it is in heaven. Despite this attack from our enemy, that you, Father, will work all things together for the good of Urias and our family. Urias and our family are more than conquerors because of the love and power of Jesus, who already overcame the enemy and has given that victory to Urias and our whole family. For with you, we shall do valiantly. It is you, Jesus, who tread down our foes. You will turn the strategy of Satan on his own head. You will turn and will make a show of him openly in his defeat once again. Holy Spirit, bring comfort and power to our family as we see this victory all the way through to the end. We declare that yours is the kingdom and the power and yours is the glory now, this trial, and forever. Amen. Father, we thank you for your scriptures. We thank you that we can pray them, we can look at them, we can read them. Lord, I pray for everybody that, that within the sound of my voice tonight, that these scriptures just begin to soak and permeate like fuel on a log and that the fire burns hot that the fire burns purely as we're refined in your word 
Lord, we want to be a powerful church. We don't, we don't always know how, but you show us the way. Lord, I pray that this church, that this body impacts this community and this world. Father, for healing to manifest. Lord, your scripture says that that as our soul prospers, all of these things will be added to us. Health and, and finances and every need we have be filled. So we seek you not out of selfish motive, but we seek you because we want to be your kingdom. We want to be your bride. We want to see that you, your will lacks nothing when it comes to us. That we are faithful. We're at what you've called us to do and that we do not forget our first love which is you. Lord, I just pray for the strength of your Holy Spirit. Strengthen our arms. Show us how to pray. Show us how to live. Lord, I pray for every person in here right now that has had time stolen from them, that you are going to reclaim that time. That where, where time has seemed like it has just sped up and has run off and left, that you are going to reclaim that time. You're going to slow it down. You are going to make the rest of every life in this building full and rich and beautiful. Lord, I thank you for the beauty that is going to walk out of here tonight. <laughs> the devil's going to think twice about even messing with any of these people because they've been soaking in your word and his plans are going to backfire. And when we are pulled back like a catapult, we're going to launch even further than where we started. Father, I thank you for reclaiming the time. I thank you for reclaiming what was lost. I, I, I command a seven-fold increase for anything that was stolen. And Lord, we thank you for your healing. Lord, I thank you for supernatural wisdom in this congregation that you touch the minds the spirits of every person in here that they that they can go out and touch their schools, their workplace, their communities, the restaurants they eat at will be touched by your word and your love. And Lord, we thank you that you have called us a royal priesthood. And that we are each priests of your word. We are each saints in your kingdom. We thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.